This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Osborne, and I'm covering all things Magic basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic. What is going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show with your boy, Jonathan. It is March 2nd, 2020. Feels pretty crazy to say that this year is flying by, but as you get older, I find that's kind of what they tend to do. But great week uh, for the Orlando Magic, if I may say so myself. Uh, before we start talking about the good guys, did want to share a little bit of personal news. So as a lot of you saw on social media this past weekend, a few weeks back, my wife and I found out that we are expecting our second child uh, late summer, either the end of August, early September. Uh, but this weekend, we actually found out that we are expecting our second little girl. So very excited for that. Thank you to everybody that's reached out and congratulated us. Uh, we're very excited. And then the rest of my weekend, uh, all day today, my wife and I, uh, we were out shopping for a new mattress. So she's been waking up with some you know, back pains and stuff like that. And I've been telling her for a long time, as soon as you're ready for a new mattress, let me know and we'll go and do that. So uh, probably going to be getting some, uh, some better nights of sleep here in the near future. But anyways, let's talk about the weekly state of the Orlando Magic. So with four games this week, the Orlando Magic went three and one with wins in Brooklyn, huge win, a win in Atlanta, a win at home on Friday night against Minnesota, and then a devastating loss in San Antonio Saturday night on a last second missed layup by Evan Fournier, which when the two minute report came out today, it was revealed that uh, Patty Mills should have been called for a foul. But we'll talk more about that in a little bit, guys. So looking at the playoff probability report right now for the Orlando Magic, looking at the standings, the Orlando Magic are currently in 7th place in the Eastern Conference. They are 9 games back of the 6th place Indiana Pacers. Don't know if we're going to be able to catch those guys. Probably not. But as it is right now, we are a half game above the 8th place Brooklyn Nets. We are four and a half games up on the Washington Wizards, who are in ninth place. Once again, looking at the playoff probabilities on basketballreference.com, the Magic currently have a 99.6% chance to make the playoffs. So according to basketballreference.com, a virtual lock to make the playoffs, which a lot of us have expected for a few weeks now, just given the state of the lower half of the East and how bad they are. But something has changed pretty significantly since last week. I think we were somewhere around 30 or 40% odds uh, to secure the seventh seed in the first round of the playoffs. Basketballreference.com right now has us at a 72% chance to secure the seventh seed after that win over the Brooklyn Nets uh, and securing a few more wins along the way. I think we still play Brooklyn twice this year. We're 2-0 and right now against them on the year. So we do have some more time uh, to build that cushion and and hopefully uh, secure that seventh seed a little bit stronger. Uh, and then we have a 27.5% chance right now, uh, according to the site, to secure the eighth seed. So all in all, pretty good week for the good guys. Once again, that loss Saturday night against the Spurs, still quite not over that. We can talk more about that in just a moment, but man, this, this that that one hurt. Uh, but Magic are sitting at 27 and 33, six games under 500, five and five in their last 10. But that win against Brooklyn the other night really feels like if this team is able to string some wins together going forward, that we can 
possibly look back on that and say, that's the moment that it happened. That's the moment when the Magic kind of sorted themselves out uh, and possibly springboard themselves forward as we go down the last you know, five, six weeks of the regular season here and then into the playoffs. So I think that's probably the best place to start talking about the Orlando Magic against the Brooklyn Nets on Monday night. We're going to pick this game up in the second half. Magic found themselves down 13 at the start of the third quarter and then in just a few minutes time with just under nine minutes to go in the third quarter, the Magic found themselves down 19. Magic called a timeout. Now, according to Dante Marcatelli on the live Fox Sports Florida broadcast, Vooch was very vocal in that timeout calling guys out, letting everyone know that we say what we need to do over and over again, and we just don't do it. And then for the rest of that third quarter, Vucevic, regardless of how you feel about him, was incredible in that third quarter. 5 of 5 from the floor after that point. Good for 12 points. Helped the Magic cut the lead to 6 points heading into that fourth quarter. And then the fourth quarter was really all Aaron Gordon and Terrence Ross. 12 points out of Aaron Gordon, 5 of 5 from the floor, 2 of 2 from the three-point line, and then 13 points out of Terrence Ross. That fourth quarter was like a vintage human torch performance. Five of five from the floor, three of three from the three-point line, and Aaron Gordon just making plays on both ends of the floor. Game-saving block in the closing seconds there on Karis LeVert, and the Magic were able to escape, winning 115-113 to in Brooklyn. Huge. This game really felt like a playoff game, especially in that second half as the Magic made that comeback and were able to win the game. Just huge, gutsy performance out of guys. I mean, Aaron Gordon, 27 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 11 of 16 from the floor. Evan Fournier, 21 points, 8 of 16 from the floor. Terrence Ross, 21 points, 8 of 15. We talked about Nikola Vucevic in that third quarter. Uh, finishes with 16 points on the night and 10 rebounds. So just great game uh, out of the Magic James Ennis, uh, I, I feel like I've got to say this, right? I went on and on last week about how it was wrong for Wes Awundu to lose his minutes, which he hasn't seen the floor since James Ennis has been inserted into the starting lineup. I still feel that way. I don't like the way that this happened with Wes you know, losing his minutes. Basically, when I, I hadn't really felt like James Ennis had earned that right, and I, I don't feel like Wes lost his job, essentially. But James Ennis, man, he, he's really just injected life into the starting lineup, not only um, with his ability to drive to the basket and draw fouls, uh, he was 6 of 6 from the floor in this game, but just his knack to come up with timely offensive rebounds. He's played really well defensively as well. I love his energy. I love what he's bringing to this team and the starting lineup. Even the bench lineup, he's been really great uh, with the bench lineup. So, uh, yeah, I still feel the same way about Wes, um, but I may have been wrong in saying that this was kind of a non-consequential move because James Ennis has really been huge so far for the Orlando Magic. Magic once again winning this one 115-113 to 113 in what was probably Aaron Gordon's best game as a player for the Orlando Magic. Moving on to Wednesday night against the Hawks in Atlanta. The Magic on their second game of a two-game quick road trip before they head back to Orlando. We'll pick this one up at halftime, but I would be completely remiss if I did not mention the first half out of Mo Bamba in this game. So in just 
11 minutes, 40 seconds, Mo Bamba put up 15 points, which is his career high, nine rebounds, four blocks in just under 12 minutes in this game. The people in October, November, the beginning of December who were saying that Mo Bamba was a bust, he was this, he was that, he sucked, have just gone completely quiet recently. This kid is just putting some ridiculous stat lines together. Uh, It seems like every few nights now. So in just under 14 minutes per game, he is tied for 11th in the entire league as far as blocks per game go. So the only guy on this list averaging less than 23 minutes per game would be JaVale McGee, who Mo is tied for 11th in blocks per game. All these other guys are playing like 23 minutes per game. Uh, so he's just, as far as a you know defensive standpoint go, the kid is figuring it out. He's learning when to time to go after blocks, when to be aggressive, and everything like that. I do want to talk about Mo a little bit later on in the show, um, just to, to kind of flesh this out, but it's just ridiculous uh, what this kid is turning into defensively. If we compare him with, with like Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon, you know, it, getting that rotation significant minutes, it's, it's just going to be ridiculous, especially once we get Chuma next year. I, I'm just so excited about the, the youth of this team right now. And then have to mention Trey Young going off for 26 points in the first half, just absolutely destroying us. But like I mentioned, Aaron Gordon, huge second half, even bigger third quarter, 18 points out of Aaron Gordon. Uh, Once again, this game was tied at halftime. Aaron Gordon's strong third quarter allowed the Orlando Magic to take an eight-point lead into the fourth quarter. Now, Atlanta, strong offensive team. You know they're always going to make a run at it. They made multiple runs in the fourth quarter, able to trim the lead to four points on a couple of occasions. But the last six minutes of this game, the Orlando Magic were just able to create some space, keep Atlanta at arm's length for the rest of that fourth quarter eventually winning this game 130 to 120. Like I said, Aaron Gordon, just ridiculous game. He finishes the night with 25 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 9 of 14 from the floor, 3 of 4 from the three-point line, and then 28 points out of Evan Fournier, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, 17 points, 12 rebounds out of Nikola Vucevic, And then Mo Bamba, he ended up finishing the night with those 15 points. He was able to add another rebound in the second half. So he finishes with a double-double as well. And then another solid performance out of James Ennis. Like I said, I was wrong as far as this being an inconsequential move. Uh, So I I feel like I've got to give him his credit where it is due. Magic picked it back up Friday night as they return home to take on the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is the first time that the Magic have played the Timberwolves with D'Angelo Russell on the roster. This was actually Markel Fultz's first career game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think they mentioned on the, the live Fox Sports Florida broadcast that with this game, Markel Fultz had played at least one game against every team in the NBA. So looking at the first quarter, and I do want to talk about this because it seems to be kind of a, a trend over the last few games, and it's starting to become a little bit concerning, but D'Angelo Russell going off for 18 points in the first half as the Magic give up 65 points in the first half. The good news is the good guys were able to put up 69 points themselves in the first half, taking a four-point lead. And then it really seemed like in that third quarter, the Magic were kind of biding their time, or at least Terrence Ross was. Uh, The Magic are able to extend that four-point lead into a seven-point lead heading into the fourth quarter. And then it was torch time. It was absolutely torch time. Just vintage 
Terrence Ross, Super Saiyan-level performance in that fourth quarter. 19 points, 8 of 11 from the floor, 3 of 4 from the three-point line. Terrence Ross on the night finishes with 33 points, 13 of 25 from the floor, 7 of 15 from the three-point line. He did add five rebounds, three assists, but by far Terrence Ross's best game of the season. It feels like we had about maybe four or five of those performances last year, and we've just really been waiting for the torch to erupt, I guess you could say, and have a game like this. But he just completely changed the game in that fourth quarter. Magic go on to win 136 to 125, three in a row uh, heading into Saturday night when they went on uh, the road to take on the San Antonio Spurs. Before we get to that, I do want to mention Nikola Vucevic ended the game with 27 points, 10 rebounds, and just about as quiet of a 27-point performance as we have seen out of Vuce in some time. And then Aaron Gordon, first career triple-double, 17 points, 11 rebounds, 12 assists. Realized early in the game that his shots weren't quite falling, the offense wasn't really there, uh, but decided to be that Swiss Army knife that he's been talking about uh, being this week. Um, and, and really just realized wasn't getting it done offensively. He had to found, find other ways to impact the game, and he definitely did that after the game. Terrence Ross called Aaron basically Mr. Do-It-All for the Magic at that point, and he really has been doing it all recently for the Orlando Magic. He's really been on a tear post-All-Star break. So once again, Magic win 136-125. to 125. And now we will move on to the Saturday night loss in San Antonio against the Spurs. We'll talk about this one in a little bit more detail given the recency uh, and that that wound is still fresh. It is still open, but it was pretty obvious early on in this one. Maybe it was the Magic you know, playing second night of a back-to-back, uh, but the Magic really just didn't have that energy that we had seen in the previous three games to start this week. Down 11 after the first quarter to the San Antonio Spurs. Able to make up that ground a little bit and take an 8-point deficit uh, into halftime. Uh, but really, hats off to the Magic in this one. You know, Multiple points uh, during this game when the Spurs would begin to you know, extend the lead a little bit. You know, Multiple times in this game, the Magic found themselves down by double digits. But uh, at those points, the Magic would just be able to string a few possessions together, you know, knock down a few shots, come up with some defensive stops, and be able to close the gap a little bit. Each time, it felt like the game was starting to get out of hand. Uh, the Magic were able to claw back into the game. Once again, the Magic found themselves with a significant deficit in the third quarter, being down as much as 15 in that third quarter with just over eight minutes to go. And the Magic, once again, like we saw earlier in the week against Brooklyn, just decided you know they were going to start playing defense and really start to claw back into this game. Like I said, down 15 with about eight minutes to go in the third quarter, able to shorten that deficit to four points heading into the fourth. And in the fourth quarter, just about as back and forth as a fourth quarter can be. Magic fight all the way back, take a 91-90 to 90 lead with 9 minutes, 16 seconds left in the game. And then this is the point where the Magic feel like they're, they're going to win this game, right? They fought all the way back Monday night, won that game in Brooklyn. Now on the road in San Antonio, this game started to feel like the Magic of Last year, even when they would get down, uh, when they didn't have it, the Magic would find a way to come back in a few of those games. 
uh, like let's say like the Memphis game last year where the Magic were down huge in the second half, forced overtime, and were able to win that game. Uh, but it found like it felt like the Magic were really going to be able to do that, even finding themselves up four with just over three minutes to go. And we'll kind of walk through the final three minutes of this game together. So up four, just over three minutes to go. Orlando Magic are coming down the court. Aaron Gordon has the ball at the top of the key, finds Terrence Ross cutting off of a backdoor cut with a bounce pass, but the ball just bounces off of Terrence Ross's fingertips. Ball goes out of bounds. Rudy Gay comes back on the next possession for the Spurs, which Rudy Gay just killed us in this game, especially in the first half. I don't think he missed a shot in the first half, but he hits a floater to cut the lead to two. Evan Fournier comes down the other end. Clear offensive foul call. I don't know what really he was thinking, but ball goes back to the Spurs. They miss. Fultz comes back down the other end, hits a layup, pushes the lead back out to four with two minutes in the game. And then DeRozan driving right at Nikola Vucevic. Just Spurs really exposed Vuce, especially in this fourth quarter, just driving at him over and over again. We can talk more about that in a moment, but it was a huge reason that the Magic just were not able to stop the Spurs in this fourth quarter. Back down the other end, Vooch misses a jump shot. Bryn Forbes on the other end drives past Terrence Ross right at Vucevic for a layup to tie this game at 1-11. Fournier misses a pull-up three, which we've seen him make so many times, and it We know what happens at the end of this game, but I felt like Fournier was really such a huge reason why this game never got out of hand. Uh, Whenever the Spurs were extending their lead, felt like Fournier had a few timely buckets to try to keep these you know, this game pretty close. Uh, But then the next possession, once again, DeRozan is driving right at Vooch. Terrence Ross overhelps, which if if you listen to this podcast or follow me on Twitter at all, you know this drives me absolutely crazy that this is just like what the Magic have to do. And this, you know, it's basically part of their strategy is when guys are driving right at Vooch to overhelp in the lane. But Terrence just helps way too much on DeRozan, who kicks it out to Forbes. As soon as Forbes caught this ball, I I knew it was going in, but uh, Forbes hits a huge three, uh, puts the Spurs up three with 49 seconds left. Magic call a timeout. Next possession, huge onions on Markel Fultz. 13-foot pull-up jumper, knocks it down, brings the Magic within one with 15 seconds left. Magic are able to poke the ball away from the Spurs. We know how this ends. Michael Carter-Williams driving down the lane. He's got Markel Fultz. He's got Aaron Gordon on the left wing. Aaron Gordon had his own woes in this game, missing a ton of shots from the free throw line, but finds Evan Fournier on the right wing with the chance to drive to the basket, win the game, Uh, but he misses the layup. I cannot believe he missed the layup. He couldn't believe it. Rips his shirt immediately afterwards. And then the last two-minute report comes out today that in that last possession that Patty Mills should have been called for a foul on Evan Fournier to give him a chance to go to the line and win this game. But the Magic end up losing 114 to 113. So really the biggest problem in this game was the Magic's inability to get off to a good start. Found themselves in a hole early and just were never really able to dig themselves all the way out of that. I mean, you could say they took the lead, but um, you know, going on these runs to get back in the games takes a lot out of you, but Magic just not able to get it done. Had a chance right there at the end, but just, I mean, the, I, I think the, the contact with Patty Mills, yes, it should have been a foul, uh, but 
99 out of 100 times, like David Steele said on the telecast, Evan Fournier ends up making that shot. But once again, Magic Fall, 113 to 114, and San Antonio to the Spurs. Evan Fournier finishing with 23 points, 8 of 16 from the floor, 5 of 10 from the three-point line. Terrence Ross, 21 points, 6 of 12 from the floor, 4 of 7 from the floor. Guys that really struggled in this one was Aaron Gordon. Uh, ended up with 7 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. Shot 2 of 5 from the floor, but 3 of 8 from the free throw line. Uh, Magic missed a ton of free throws in this game. Shot 16 of 23 from the free throw line. Left too many points at the line and ended up in a 1-point loss. So just absolutely hate to see that shot under 70% from the 3-point line for the game. But the Spurs, man, got to give it up to them. A team that doesn't shoot many three-pointers uh, went 14 of 13 from the three-point line. Good for 45%. So that was just a huge killer in this game when you've got guys like Rudy Gay and Bryn Forbes just shooting the lights out. Even Trey Lyles. He, he, I don't know what was going on with Aaron Gordon in this game, but especially to start the game, I mean, Trey Lyles was just making Aaron look silly at times. He finishes with 20 points on the night as well. I mean, you hold DeMar DeRozan to 16 points on 6 of 13 shooting. I mean, most nights you feel pretty good about being able to come out with a W, but Magic, unfortunately, just were not able to get it done. Once again, losing 113 to 114 to the San Antonio Spurs, ending the week on a 3-1 record. Not too, too bad, but man, that loss hurts, and, and winning four in a row uh, feels a lot better uh, now You know we just lost our last game. So, but coming up this week, uh, tonight we got Portland coming into town. Damian Lillard still dealing with a groin injury. He is not traveling with the team. So, big opportunity for the Magic to be able to get a win there. So, Portland coming into town Monday night. Going to play that game tonight. And then Wednesday night at Miami, that game will start at 7.30. Then we're actually playing Minnesota again Friday night in Minnesota. And then we are at Houston on Sunday night. So, uh, I mean... Portland, definitely a winnable game without Damian Lillard. Minnesota, another winnable game. Obviously, we just beat them this past week. Miami's going to be tough. Miami has lost uh, you know, a couple of games that they should have won lately. Uh, and then Houston, that's going to be a tough out as well. But Magic have to do, you know, this Magic beat good teams on the road last year. So at times, you, you've got to be able to do that. So, uh, but yeah, four-game road trip coming up starting on Wednesday at Miami, Friday at Minnesota at Houston on Sunday, and then we're at Memphis next Tuesday before they come back home to take on the Chicago Bulls. So once again, would have loved to get that win against the Spurs, but you really can't be too upset going 3-1 and one on the week. But yeah, that, that one's going to hurt. Uh, as soon as that game ended, um, it, I automatically just thought back to a few years ago, um, you know, Spurs in Orlando. I remember Aaron Gordon being right in Kawhi's face tie game Kawhi knocks down a really tough jumper Magic have the ball uh, I think with 0.9 seconds left Evan Fournier finds Elford Payton cutting down the right sideline wide open beautiful pass the length of the court Elford Payton catches it tries to you know make a reverse layup and just bricks it off of the backboard and, and lose so uh, talking to a few people on Twitter I was just kind of fleshing that out and thinking about it so that was four years ago so the Magic Basically, in the last you know seven or eight games against the Spurs, have lost two games uh, on you know good looking you know a good look at a layup with the game on the line. So, just really that's that's what it means to be a Magic fan. That's just the kind of luck that we have had 
historically just really really tough loss but um but yeah I did want to talk just a moment about you know Nikola Vucevic's defense and and what is always going to be an issue so so Saturday night Steve Clifford made it a point that guys have to start playing better on ball defense you have to contain the ball you have to have pride in your one-on-one defense looking at Evan Fournier Terrence Ross Markel Fultz just the the on-ball defense so far this year has just not been up to snuff. You know, before the season, Steve Clifford talked about the fact that he felt like Markel Fultz has all the physical tools to be able to be an elite defender. And so far, I'm not trying to, to kill the kid. I know he's still learning. He's got plenty of time to improve, but um, has just not quite been as good of an on-ball defender as I you know thought he was going to be able to be. But the, the reason I'm bringing this up is because Nikola Vucevic, we all know, is not really a rim protector, right? He's not that vertical threat at the rim. If guys are getting free runs at Vuce, it's just never going to end well. So as much as we can kill Vuce for you know giving up so many buckets at the rim to like DeMar DeRozan, Brent Forbes in this game, guys have to play better on-ball defense. You cannot let guys get free runs at the rim at Vuce. And when it comes to the like high pick-and-roll coverage, I just feel like, I, I know what they're trying to do with Vooch. Some of these other centers are, are more athletic. They're trying to give him a, a chance to stop these guys at the rim. But when these guards are coming off these high pick and rolls, Vooch has to do something to try to slow them down because if they get ahead of steam and they get to him, get into his chest at the rim, it just almost never, ever, ever ends well. So that's that's my, that's my piece on Vooch. But I really want to take a few minutes, guys, and talk about Mo Bamba and just the the impact that he's made in a few of these games recently, just the improvement that we've seen at him and just kind of what I think is going to happen moving forward with the center position. So, you know, we talked a couple of minutes ago about the fact that, you know, playing 14 minutes per game, that Mo Bamba is tied for 11th in blocks per game, right? So seeing that, I really wanted to kind of extrapolate and, you know, dive a little bit deeper into what that means. So I want to look at most per 36 minutes numbers on the year so far. So we all know that, you know, he is a a very capable knockdown three-point shooter, but a lot of times offensively, he just, he's not in the right spot. He doesn't really know what he should be doing. So there's plenty of time for him to develop offensively. I'm, you know, a proponent, obviously, of being patient with our young guys, uh, specifically Mo Bamba. Looking back to the draft two years ago, we all knew the moment we drafted this kid that he was going to be a three or four year project. So the people that, you know, now in year two that are calling this kid a bust or calling him trash at the beginning of the year, whatever, I just felt like it was ridiculous because we knew that his development was going to be a long term project, right? So just let, let's look at his per 36 numbers. So, so if you're not familiar, this means if you take his current stats and, and kind of predict that out to if he was getting 36 minutes a game, kind of what his numbers would be. So per 36, we're looking at 13.7 points per game, shooting 47% from the full, from the floor, shooting 35.8% from the three-point line, so just at about the league average, which I think his numbers there will continue to improve. I don't think he'll ever be a, you know like a 40% shooter, but I could see him get into the 37 38% range there. Uh, but looking at his rebound numbers, 12 rebounds a game and then 3.7 blocks per game, right? So looking at that those per 36 numbers, I want to see 
where does he rank up against the elite shot blockers in the league um, as far as per 36 numbers? So per 36, Mo Bamba has 3.7 blocks per game. That leads the entire NBA, guys. So that shows that Mo Bamba is already an elite rim protector in this league. Okay, so what I would like to see going forward this offseason, right? People are talking about what we should do this offseason with Evan Fournier, with Nikola Vucevic, right? And just the way that Mo Bamba has been playing recently, you know, especially defensively. I tweeted out the other night that I really feel like at some point next season, Mo Bamba is just going to force Clifford's hand. Like Mo Bamba is going to get to the point next season where... I really think he's going to be giving Vooch a lot of problems in practice. And I just think that once we see, you know, hopefully Aaron Gordon is brought back now. Didn't play all that well Saturday night, but these last, you know, seven or eight games is just really putting together some ridiculous numbers. And if this is what Aaron Gordon is going to be for the rest of the season, I just don't see how you can trade him this summer. But uh, I would like to see Evan, you know, move on from Evan as good as he's been this year. Uh, I just think the amount of money that he's going to make this summer, I don't think the Magic uh, at at this point can commit that kind of money and, and years to Evan. Um, but I just think at some point next year with Aaron, with Markel, with Jonathan Isaac, with Chuma, I just think this team is going to go, okay, it's it's really time to invest into these young guys to give them the minutes that they need to you know, fully develop and, and really grow into what they can be. Uh, and I think that Mo Bamba at some point next year is going to earn the starting lineup. You know, we we talked about at the beginning of the year that you know we thought that Markel Fultz at some point was going to earn the starting job. We didn't know it was going to be five games in, but I definitely think by you know next um, you know All Star break, I think Mo Bamba will be the starting uh, center for this team, or at least I really hope so. And this is why, right? You know that the offense is going to come around, right? We know that the defense is already there. The defense is already there. Uh, he's finding himself in better position. He's playing with better energy. He's making great pursuits at blocks. He's changing shots at the rim. You can see in the second unit when when these you know other guards are in the game, they think differently about driving the lane, getting to the rim against Mo Bamba. So this is my case for starting Mo Bamba next year. So next to Jonathan Isaac, Chuma Okiki, or or Aaron Gordon, however the lineup you know pans out, right? Um. I don't think Chuma is going to be starting, but um, you know wh- whatever role he's in next year, right? However, that starting lineup pans out. Like I said, you put Mo Bamba at center, right? And then you've got Markel Fultz. You've got you know who insert starting shooting guard there. Then you've probably got Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon at your forward positions, right? And you turn the keys over to those guys. Turn let Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac get out and run. You give the ball to Markel Fultz and say be our number one option offensively, get to the rim. Hopefully he's a little bit better of a shooter, you know, knock down some jumpers. That would be amazing. But you just let Mo Bamba, you know, come along slowly. You know, we know that with Vooch, Evan, Aaron, and Markel, whoever you throw in into that, uh, you know, whether that's Wes or James Ennis, we know that guy is like the fifth option offensively, right? So next season, when it, you know, if and when it comes time to start Mo Bamba, you just make him the fifth option offensively. He's got to make some improvements this summer as far as, you know, knowing where to be and where to stand and when to stand and and what to do on offense. But if he can improve, you know, even a little bit, 
you make him the fifth option offensively, get him, you know, in in the high pick and roll with, you know, Aaron or Markel or, you know, maybe even Jonathan Isaac, allow him to roll to the rim and catch lobs, which we've seen him do with, you know, a decent amount of success at times this year. Uh, and then, you know, if he's not rolling to the rim, just spread the floor, make him a, a spot up three point shooter. So that's, you know, really my case as far as, you know, it comes to Mobamba. I think that next year, um, he's going to yeah, at some point force Clifford's hand. And I, I really hope that we see that. I think uh, with, with Mo, I think this team's potential defensively is so much higher, obviously, with Vooch. And then if we want these other guys to develop offensively, some point you've got to, you know, move on from Evan and Vooch. You know, if Evan leaves in free agency, uh, I think you have to really make a concerted effort to move the offensive focus away from Vooch, you know, Um if Vooch is, is going to accept a bench role, who knows? We know that, you know, when, when Biombo uh, was here a few years ago, that Vooch was really unhappy sitting the bench and not starting. Uh, and maybe, you know, uh, maybe we need to move on from Vooch. Maybe we need to find some avenue to be able to, you know, trade Vooch, uh, you know, this coming summer. I, I would prefer that, to be honest, um, you know, move that that contract somewhere else, bring in maybe a premier scorer if you're able to do that. Now, before everybody gets crazy, I don't know how viable of an option that is, but uh, we're talking, you know, ideal situation here. But um, really, moving forward next year, um, even this season, I would really like to see Mobamba maybe not start, but definitely get a few more minutes with the starting lineup and go from there and and really just see, you know, what is you know possible with Mobamba playing with you know better players to to put it frankly, but. That, that's my take on Obama, guys. I would really love to hear your thoughts and, and see how you feel about that. But uh, once again, this week coming up tonight, we've got Portland coming into town. And then Wednesday and Friday, we're at Miami and then at Minnesota. We finish up the week on Sunday at Houston. So thank you guys so much for listening. That's all I've got for this week. This has been the Six Man Show with your boy Jonathan, and I will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!